Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 12, called The Case of Those Who Have Fallen Away. Now, I want to show you something in Hebrews chapter 10. Flip over there. This warning passage is one of five in the book of Hebrews. So this isn't the only warning passage. And I believe Hebrews 6 is linked with the other warning passages. Let's take a look at Hebrews. And let's look at verse 4, and then we'll drop down in that chapter. Let's look at verse 3. But in those sacrifices, Hebrews 10.3, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to do what? Take away sin. You all see the word there? It's impossible. Just mark that. Therefore, when he comes into the world, this is the Messiah, Jesus, he says, sacrifice and offering you've not desired, but a body you've prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I've come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. After saying above sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you did not desire, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I've come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. Keep reading. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. What's your Bible say? Once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, Christ, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. Waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. And here's the frosting. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. How then could it be that someone would go back to that system of the sacrifices to the blood of bulls and goats and move from the fulfillment to the shadow, from the, obs- from the fulfillment or the greater uh, covenant to the obsolete one. That's going backwards. And I believe that that is the way one puts Christ to open shame. They shame the Christ who's fulfilled the imagery by going back to that which has been fulfilled. Everybody with me? I believe that's what's going on here. This is my personal view, my take on it. But I think that you can see it has merit. Now, if you uh, drop down and you look at there's a lot I could say in chapter 10, but we'll, we'll, this, this is a future study. I want you to drop down to verse 24. So the writer's using these verses that, uh, he writes these verses that we used a lot during COVID. Let us 
Consider, brethren, how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Keep reading. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God as regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant or the new covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said vengeance is mine. I will repay again and again. The Lord will judge his people. He says it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember the former days when after being what? Enlightened, write down Hebrews 6, 4. You endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. I think you can see some connections to Hebrews chapter 6. What's the writer doing? I think this is what's probably happening. I think that there were some people in the Hebrew Roman church who had defected and others were being tempted to do so. Probably it was a minority of people. And the writer's saying, if you do that, if you go back to that system, it's impossible for that system to produce the forgiveness that you need. It will do nothing for you. I don't know that this keeps uh, one from returning to the Lord, even if someone fell away or backslid. I think you got to keep in mind the original audience, and I think that will help us all. Now, is this a very real situation for us modern folks who sit here in a church on a Wednesday night? Could we, could we do this? Could we backslide into trusting something other than Jesus Christ for our salvation? I think it's possible. I brought up a couple of scenarios where maybe some, someone comes out of a world religion or a cult, and there's a lot of pressure to go back to that. Maybe they don't believe that anymore, but they find themselves pressed back into that environment. That's possible. There are some systems, you know, that may uh, smack of this where, you know, the, the ideas that are conveyed uh, seem to indicate some of this stuff that, you know, maybe the, there's a, a thinking that this has to happen again and again when it happened once for all. It doesn't need to be repeated. Jesus paid for your salvation in full. Amen? Amen. At the cross. Now, here's the metaphor the writer uses to kind of wrap it up. For ground that drinks the rain, how many of you have said, okay, it's good that we've had rain, but enough is enough. I was out in my backyard and uh, we have one side of our house, we, we finally put some concrete and drains in, uh, but it's, it, the way that the house is just sitting, it's never drained properly. So we always have this one side of the house that is always a problem. The water starts to creep up pretty high in the house. 
And so I have this little pump, and this pump's a little champ. And I put it somewhere, and it starts, you know, pushing the water to some drains that are actually draining, and it's wonderful. Well, last night, I, uh, I heard that my pump was struggling, and I came to lay hands on it, and, and it wasn't pumping the water, and I'm out here in these boots and shorts, and my feet are cold, and I, if you would have seen me, you would have said, not only is it an ugly picture, but Pastor Michael is not sounding too spiritual right now. Because I was talking to the pump, and what's going on? You know how you want, you don't want people to hear you, but you kind of want people to hear you. You want them to share in your struggle. I don't know what you're going to do, just pumping, not working. And I don't want to take it apart right now. I'm cold, and it's, and it's raining. And yeah, that's pretty much what I did. And why did I tell that story? Uh, oh, anyway, so finally in the morning, I, I figured out there was a rock in it, and the pump got going. Praise the Lord. Anyway, here's the point. The rain comes down, and it's a picture of the blessing of God. For ground that drinks the rain, and of course the ground's pretty saturated right now, which often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled, you could say cultivated, receives a blessing from God. So soil number one, is good soil. It's been tilled. Water comes down on it, seeds there, and it produces a crop, simply put. But if it yields thorns and thistles, taking us all the way back to Genesis 3 and the language of the curse, it says, if it yields thorns and thistles, it's worthless and close to being cursed. Close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. The first uh, picture of the soil Rain hits it, produces a crop. Second, soil, not so good. Only thorns and thistles. When Jesus told the parable of the soils or the sower, he said these words, Mark 4, 16 and 17. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but they have no firm root in themselves. Mark 4, 16, 17. They're only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. The parable of the sower of the soils, I believe, explains a lot of what happens when the word of God goes out. I want you to think of an evangelistic crusade. Greg Laurie preaches to, let's say, 50,000 people. People start streaming down. Old footage of Billy Graham crusades. Here comes all this mass of humanity. They're all on the field. The gospel's been preached. The, the uh, songs have been sung about the Christ. The Holy Spirit's moving in people's lives. People have made professions of faith. But what happens? Some of the ground seems genuine, and others of the ground doesn't produce anything. Sometimes people pray a sinner's prayer and they're nowhere to be found. You may have friends like this who they were once even very active. Maybe they were uh, witnessing to others. They, maybe they led others to Christ, baptized people, served communion, and they're nowhere to be found. How do we explain that? And could they come back? <laughs> I think they could. But we can anchor some of our thoughts in the parable of the sower don't have time to get into that. Mark 4, if you want to go back and read that. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? And visit walkintruth.com to give. As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. And you will get this content through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. This month's series is called An Invitation to Intimacy, a look at intimacy in marriage through the Song of Solomon. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in, you can't have me. Mm. And that took a toll in our relationship. Even for me, in a church that didn't shy away from it, it wasn't talked about a ton, but I remember getting married and my wife and I being like, this is weird. Like, so it's good now, I guess. (laughs) There was infidelity. Just a lot of financial issues, you know, all those things that make the top list of, of yes. why a marriage is hard. The Lord's given us all things to enjoy, yeah. the, the scriptures say, and freedom is a big word yeah. as a Christian. Yeah. And unfortunately, what's happened in the church is that the church has not always sent a message that we're supposed to enjoy life and be free. Yeah. We've put a lot of unnecessary weights on people. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Songs have been sung about the Christ. The Holy Spirit's moving in people's lives. People have made professions of faith. But what happens? Some of the ground seems genuine, and others of the ground doesn't produce anything. Sometimes people pray a sinner's prayer, and they're nowhere to be found. You may have friends like this, who they were once even very active. Maybe they were uh, witnessing to others. They, maybe they led others to Christ, baptized people, served communion, and they're nowhere to be found. How do we explain that? And could they come back? <laughs> I think they could. But we can anchor some of our thoughts in the parable of the sower. Don't have time to get into that. Mark 4, if you want to go back and read that. All right, so... Here we are. We've got the, the people, the different views, the image here. But now the writer says something very pastoral. And I want to definitely give you this because I think this will help. But beloved, he says, the loved people of God, we are convinced of better things concerning you. Amen. <laughs> I feel like the weight gets lifted off of our chest a little bit. And things that accompany salvation, though we are speaking in this way. Now, some who hold the hypothetical view say this backs their view. But the writer is basically saying this. I'm convinced of better of you things that accompany what? Salvation. Which means that there are going to be things, if you're truly saved, 
fruit will come out of your life. Amen? Amen. And what will happen is salvation will produce, saving faith will produce works that go with it. Grace is the root. Good works are the fruit, right? We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. But if you are saved, there will be things that accompany your salvation because faith without works is dead. So the writer says, I've been seeing what many of you guys do. And these are things that demonstrate to me that you're saved. For God is not unjust. Praise God, that means he is just. So as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name. God doesn't forget what you've done in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. It's easy to become weary. It's easy in a marathon to get tired, lose your focus, and just say, I'm done. Especially when you watch people maybe that you respected walk away from the faith. You know, maybe there's some people that were once very zealous, and now they're nowhere to be found. You've tried to hang in there. You've tried to be faithful. Does God know what I've been through, what I've done, what I've tried to demonstrate over the years? Yes, God is just. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Amen? Amen. So don't grow weary. And we desire that each one of you, I want you to make this your own tonight, that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. That'll be the uh, hope being the anchor of our souls for next time. That you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. How many of you have read about the sluggard uh, in the book of Proverbs? You know what the sluggard does? Alarm clock goes off and he goes, <laughs> it's too bright. <laughs> Turn the light out. Now I do that sometimes, but I don't stay in bed forever. <laughs> the sluggard says, there's a lion in the streets. I think he's going to eat me. The sluggard has a lawn that hasn't been mowed since 1974. <laughs> there are people in cars and things hidden. You just say 101 sluggard lane. I hope you're not a sluggard. You say, what in the world is a sluggard? It's someone who's sluggish. <laughs> I know that's deep. And you got to say it with a southern twang. He's a sluggard. When it comes to your Walk with the Lord. Sluggishness is not the answer. One writer says, a lazy life can be an indication of a graceless life. Now, true believers sometimes will lose some passion, right? We've all been there. Sometimes we get our eyes off what we should be doing. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we are frustrated. Sometimes we got answer or questions that... Maybe we don't get answered and we don't know what to do. And the writer is saying, look, I know what you guys are facing, but being sluggish is not the answer. 
Burying your head in the, in the sand is not the answer. Flip over to Hebrews 12 and we're done. Don't drop back. Don't drop out of the race. Finish strong. Amen? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. This is Hebrews 12, and it says this. Therefore, verse 1. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Lord, as we consider our walk with you and we consider walking in the spirit, we wrestle with a lot of different things in this life. Some of them have to do with questions. Some of them have to do with difficult circumstances. Sometimes they're things we see in our own heart. Sometimes they're frustrations with other people. Sometimes they're struggles with other Christians. And there are many things that can cause us to lose heart, Lord, and, and maybe even shrink back. But you call us to be vigilant and diligent and to keep pressing on towards the goal. I believe that we are secure in Jesus, that he who began a good work in us will complete it to the day of Christ. I believe there's a lot of wonderful promises for the believer that we can rest in Jesus, that we can know that we belong to him and he, will, he has sealed us into the day of redemption. Yet I believe this Hebrews passage is a real warning against falling away, a real warning about going back to things that cannot deliver, a real warning about wasting our time on things that will not last, Lord. So give us the understanding that we need. I believe this room is filled with people who are passionately wanting to walk with you. And I believe, Lord, that even when we hit bumps in the road or we sometimes struggle with our sin or even different things, you are faithful. Sometimes I'm faithless, but you remain faithful. Lord, would you continue to do a good work in the precious saints that are here, maybe even in those who have had doubts or questions about this text. I pray that we would realize that probably most of the difficulty can be anchored in this first century reality for these specific people. But I also believe it's a very real exhortation to us not to fall away not to backslide, not to deviate, but to keep running strong and help others who have strayed to get back to where they need to be. Do you just take a moment in the spirit to let the Lord speak to your heart about how you might respond to his word and where you may be at tonight? Maybe for you, it's going to be a first time decision to follow Christ. Maybe it's a rededication. 
Maybe it's a recommitment to be on the lookout for those who have strayed from the truth. But I pray that you would and I could be still and know that he is God and that he will be exalted among the nations and he will be exalted among his people. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to The Case of Those Who Have Fallen Away, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 6, 4 through 12. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel, or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. And just a reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews 6, 13 through 20, called We Have This Hope as an Anchor for Our Soul. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. people.